we both have red nails. After last week's or two weeks ago, last week's episode talking about if we'd ever pick a nail polish. I don't think I've ever had red nails ever in my life. It just has always seemed too like cliche or like kind of old. Like it hasn't, mm. you know, like I've always I maybe because my mom, I don't even think my mom really wore red nail polish. I think it must be have been like my grandma or someone. Like there's something about red nail polish that I associate with like older people. <laughs> anyway, so my nails are red. I don't know. It's I'm not, it's not quite the vibe. If I were to pick a color for the whole year, I don't think this is what I would pick, but it's very appropriate for February. I We were talking about how it's an espressi, right? Espressi, like an S-E espressi color. And so I painted Evie's nails with it too, which is great because it dries really fast. And Evie's about to be five. So she's like old enough now that she'll sit still to have her nails painted, but still not old enough to be able to sit still for more than like two to three minutes after the fact to let them dry. And sometimes I'll take out the blow dryer to dry her nails, which is fun. That's like a novelty. She'll sit there for that. But yeah, the espressi is great. She also has this little girl's nail, like not little girls, little kids nail polish that is called piggies oh yeah little piggies little or something, piggies, something yeah like and yeah it's piggy polish piggy polish thank you Jacqueline and Lindsay it's so cute they're it's so cute it's like completely non-toxic it's supposed to be for kids but, but the problem is it comes off in the bath like you don't have to use nail polish remover mm-hmm. to take it off which is probably a perk for really little kids if you don't want to be using nail polish remover on like your infants or I don't know why you're painting your infants nails but you know what everyone teach their own you do you <laughs> But so like we'll spend. Do they even have a tiny, teeny, tiny? It, the brush nail. is actually kind of teeny. And oh, cute! Even better. It, it's so mm-hmm. cute. And like so, but with Evie, she'll, she's so excited about her nails, and she's like walking around showing everyone. And then she takes a bath every single night, and then the then the nail polish is gone, and then it flakes off in these huge pieces in the bath, and then like sticks to the bathtub when you drain the bath. So imagine like peeling off. Do you, do you remember? I don't know how old you would have been when this came out, but I was probably in elementary school, so you probably were in high school. They they used to make they made a nail polish that you peeled off. Oh well, yeah, I wore that as a kid. Yes, I always painted my nails with the peel off polish when I was a kid, and there was nothing better than peeling it off. There was, I mean, yes. and I was a very chronic nail biter as a kid. Like I would just chew my nails to the bone. And then I would also try to like get the um, the stuff that tasted bad that didn't do anything. Oh, yes. But I loved the peel off. Yes. It was very satisfying. So satisfying. But like it's that same type of thing, but then it sticks to the enamel of the bathtub and then you have to like scrape it off. People are chatting, chatting about nail polish in the comments. Signature so. colors. Signature colors. Signature color. Molly says, I feel like when I was a kid, anything other than red or pink nail polish was scandalous. Mm. Okay. Jacqueline says, my super fundamental church from childhood was scandalized when I went through my emo phase and wore black nails. (laughs) I think like black nails became, I don't know if it was a, it was a thing thing, but when the hills hit the the scene, yeah, that was like, brought it back from like, cause for a while, it kind of was like a little bit emo, like Carson Daly painted his nails black. Yeah. Like the nineties. Right. It wasn't like as counterculture as you could, but it was definitely on that side. And then Lauren Conrad started wearing them. We were like, oh, okay, I guess we're all wearing black nails now. And then the next season, Army she started pants wearing, and flip flops. That's totally. what it was. And it the was next 1, season, percent that. Um, Kristen Cavallari started wearing white nails, and that is still to this day. When I think about like being cool, I think about white nail polish. I can never. That's the one thing I can't do. I don't like it. Uh, for me, yeah. For whatever reason, white nails on me. It's probably okay. how you feel about red. I don't know why. I just don't like it. I like a really good color. I'm trying to think of like the nail polish that I had even as a teenager. I didn't always paint my nails, but yeah, black was kind of associated with grunge. You know, people would always, the the classic in junior high, painting your nails with white out when you were bored. That was always a thing. Did you do that? I never did it. I saw the kids do it and oh, it kind I of freaked did it, me out. And it <laughs> smelled 
horrible. You I bet. Walk you got around all contact day high and with you're your like, nails smelling like chemicals. And it was pretty satisfying to take off because you can like meh, meh, scrape it off. But yeah, I would always, I didn't white out. I would also do Sharpie. I drew on my hands all the time. Like I was a real doodler mm-hmm. as a kid. Yeah. So I would always draw like henna type designs, but with a jelly okay. roll pen. <laughs> Oh yeah! Like all over oh my gosh, both the my jelly hands. roll! How oh, yeah. great was it so to have like how great different were jelly colored rolls? pens? Okay, the other thing that I remember doing in junior high. Did you ever do this? Where uh, probably not because it was. I always think about. Oh yeah, we're ten years apart. But in junior high, I had binders with my besties where we would pass back and forth yes. notes instead of notes. Yes. It was the binder, and we'd write each other notes on one page, give it to it them, back. and then it would just look like. And then we just it'd be like a diary. Yes. Yeah. We did um, oh. not binders. We used like composition notebooks. But yes, same concept. Yes, that's what yeah, we yeah. did. We used composition notebooks. Yeah. And it was uh, very, it's a low key burn book. <laughs> and I think about that all the time because I had two of them and then I would always get jealous. This is where I'm like, wow, I was such a weird kid because I was never quite popular enough but I was like just enough to where I was like friends with most people but there were always girls that were like besties with with each other and I just like wanted to fit in so I remember having the composition notebooks with people but then when they'd have them with other people I'd be like do do they like me more do they like them more than me poor joy Joy. when I was in middle school my locker was all they I still to this day do not understand how they organize the lockers but my locker from 6th, 7th, and 8th grade was right next to the most popular girls locker, like the most popular girl. Like during passing periods, there would be a line of people standing at her locker waiting for her to get there. I feel like I've talked about this. I just always remember thinking like, that looks exhausting actually. I do not want to be that popular. Like, this girl is holding court every single... We have four minutes to get to our next class. And she's, like, practically signing autographs. And (laughs) that looks very tiring. I would like to just get in my locker and go on with my day. Signing autographs. Why is school so weird? If you think about it, if you think about the social hierarchy that happens in schools, and then the second you graduate, doesn't matter. The second you graduate done it is completely done none of that exists it's the weirdest thing but like the day up until you graduate oh man yeah i wonder where she is now there's a lot of people i've been thinking about recently where i can't remember how this question came up but um if you had the chance uh, maybe it was a podcast i was listening to um like if you had the chance to go back to people in your life and either i don't know either not necessarily apologize but just be like connect with them and kind of rehash what you went through together would you do it like whether that be any ex partners or ex friends or like people you fell out with i think that's an interesting like someone was talking about how Facebook kind of makes you aware of people where you just like otherwise would just never think about them ever again or just never really know what is going on in their lives. And I was just like, yeah, what a weird world we live in where we kind of like have to, we could access any of that information, but like they kind of took it a step further and was like, would you ever go back and kind of like rehash something like whether it be a relationship or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Because I I would. Like, I definitely there's, there's would. like not a couple people everyone. I would <laughs> right like this the girl who the locker I would not like I've run into her over there she still lives in the area we still have mutual friends like I was not so far removed from her that I didn't know her at all I just wasn't close with her specifically but we had a lot of mutual friends and like the school I went to is not that big so like yeah. you know there were there weren't so many different friend groups especially in middle school high school got bigger but I you know still 
very much know what's going on in her life. Like I'm friends, I'm close enough friends with enough people. And we were, I have lived in the same town my whole life. I, you know, you kind of know, like you kind of hear what's going on with people. You're like, oh, that person had a baby. That person got a divorce. Like you kind of start, you know, those little things just crop up. So I know what this person is up to. Like they live in Denver. I, if I saw her on the street, I would probably stop and say hi to her. But I wouldn't be like, you know what? We should go to coffee and like talk about the old days with her specifically because she was not a nice person to me. And I'm like, you know what? I don't have any real reason to like, I don't need to hear how things were through your your lens. But there are definitely people who I was like friendly with in middle school and high school who I, it would be funny to go back and be like, okay, what was I really like in high school now Mm -hmm. that you are like, what would what what did that event really what really happened in your sixteen year old brain? Mm-hmm. I mean, I I would <laughs> I would with a, an ex boyfriend, maybe two of them, just because it was like two of the really uh, like relationships that really shaped me, and that I I've always had a hard time with goodbyes, and so I think that that to me is like for someone who totally shaped my life in so many ways. To be able to kind of just sit down and I don't know, maybe I'd be totally disappointed and be like, "He babes." <laughs> I honestly yeah. think that like, gro- <laughs> like living 15 minutes away from where I grew up has relieved me of that feeling because I sure. know that sure, everyone else out true. there is just like me where it's like, I don't actually feel that different. Nothing major has happened. You know, like I, I don't have any profound insights. Like I was talking to my friend Amanda about this a couple months. I don't know how long ago it was. Recently-ish where we were pulling out of a... We had gone to Pearl Street and I've been going to Pearl Street my whole life, right? We're pulling out of the parking garage on Pearl Street that's like kind of behind the Boulder bookstore. As you're pulling out, it's a left turn, but you have to sort of pull through like a little bit of a taxi lane and then there's a turn maybe 100 feet upstream where they're making a effectively blind left. And so you really have to, it's like kind of a tricky turn. It's easy to cut people off accidentally. And I said something about that and I was like, oh, like she was like, oh, I hate this turn. And I was like, yeah, when I was in driver's ed, they would just have you go in and out and in and out of the parking garage to practice this turn to practice like oh interesting sort of sneaking yeah. out and then going and like that kind of skill of like looking 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 go and she was like it's so funny to me that all your memories are in the same place all the memories in your life are in this town for the most yeah part. yeah you know like i am pulling yeah. out of the parking garage that I learned how to, like, the, I so am executing I this turn that yeah. I learned in driver's ed in the same exact intersection. I don't really think about it all that much because it's just my life. And I think that very rarely do we sit back and think like, oh, if only things were different in a macro level, like in the day to day. But it does really take away, like I have no nostalgia for the people I grew up with. Like I have no desire to think like, oh, that person really changed me. Where are they now? Like I am that person, you know, like we're all here. Mm -hmm. We're just Mm -hmm. living in Longmont and hoping for that, you know, like there's no, there really is very little nostalgia for me about my upbringing because I still live here and I know that because like, you still live there yeah yeah and so I've made new memories in most of those places or if I haven't then I, they sort of have lost meaning instead of like holding this glow of my memory oh Melissa said it's so bizarre that I feel like I'm 16 again whenever I see anyone from high school does this ever end well when I was at Jay's change of command a couple of weeks ago, I told you I hung out with two guys that I used to kind of like bop around with in high school. And <laughs> they were Jay's really good friends. And it was so weird to see them because it was truly, I probably hadn't seen them since our 10-year high school reunion when I was 27, 28. 
it really did kind of like suck me back in time. We're like hanging around them. I felt like I was a kid again because like that's the only reference point I have with them. Or what you're saying is probably like your reference point has really grown with the city that you live in. And my reference point, it's almost kind of like, you know, my age ended the, the day that I left Phoenix, you know, area. So I'm like, really, I feel 24 when I go there because like that's how old I was when I left Arizona. Totally. Well, that's what I mean is like for me, yeah. Pearl Street has I've continued to experience it versus like I don't when I think of per, like just as an example Pearl Street it's not 2005 in Pearl Street in my brain yeah 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 whereas like because yeah, you've been you've right, been yeah been for me there, for you it's still the 90s I mean totally locations. yeah like I freaked out when I went to the ASU bookstore recently I was like oh my gosh and like wanted to talk to the people working at the counter and tell them that I went to school there like they don't care you know <laughs> like but it's it's just so special because you you do have that relationship that maybe just never feels like fully satisfied because you didn't because you left so you're kind of like making up for all this time of like oh the relationship that I had here yeah like Jay's friends when we were talking and shooting the shit at the at the parties I was just like laughing like a kid and just they haven't changed at all like the laughter that we had was like that only the laughter you have with someone who's like you go back that far with I felt myself wanting to like have approval from them like I did when I was 16 of like, do you like me? Do you think I'm pretty? You know, like that came back and it's just so, I was just, it was interesting to me. It was really funny. But the other cute thing is Scott totally hit it off with them and it was so funny. Like I walked up and they were just having the time of their lives. He's like, I could be, these are, these are like guys I could easily be really good friends with. They feel like guys I went to high school with too. So we were, we just had a ball. But anyway, I I don't know how, how do we get off on this tangent? We were talking about nail polish when we started this, but oh, this brings up a topic that I wanted to talk about. And I love, love, love to hear listeners write in, um, people in the chat, please chime in because this, this topic has been coming up a lot for me lately. And I, it's understandable, but also like, I'd love to hear people's perspectives is living near family. So Obviously, Scott and I live in Denver. Our families, my parents live a couple hours away. Scott's parents live in Oklahoma. Most of my family is in Arizona. In the past year, I would say, especially as my parents age, and God bless, they are healthy as ever. But I am not going to fool myself into thinking that they're going to be around forever because they're in their late 70s, early 80s. So I had this kind of panic in the past year of wanting them to have a place to live like close to us. They also live in the mountains. They live, they have a doctor and emergency services they live in, in the, the town. Of nowhere, though. Like, but they live in the middle of nowhere. If they had to go to an emergency room, they have to be ambulanced an hour away to an emergency room. And if you needed to get to them quickly, it would be very difficult to do that. Very difficult for me to do that. So I've in the past year been like really thinking heavily about that and what that would look like and whether we move or whether they move or whether they move in with us. Like there's all these scenarios that I am making up in my head. And we've we've talked about this with them a little bit, but without going into like all the scenarios, I just am curious of how people because that hasn't really been an issue for me I think because for so much of my life I was like building my own life and now at the age of 46 I'm feeling this turn of like wanting to go back to my roots or at least wanting to be near family like some family um Scott would never move back to Arizona that's like absolutely off the table so I I, and I am fine with that like I actually love living in Colorado 
but we're trying to figure out like, okay, how do we bring some family closer to us? And maybe we just start with my parents, you know? So is that something that you think about a lot too? Like as far as this is where your roots are going to be, this is like what you've established, like with Brandon's family, does that bother him at all being away from his family? I'm just... Yeah, I think... I'm just open opening this discussion. Totally. That is something that has come up for me, but it's because of the kids and it's because... Like I wanted, first of all, we get a lot of help from my mom, just like logistically. Right. She helps she out. Lives so she close. lives yeah. so close. But when my when I was pregnant with Miles, she lived in San Diego. She had moved there a couple years previous. And That's right. Yeah. She basically moved back. And she had always said, like, listen, she left right when I got out of college. She had always wanted to live by the beach. She had always said, like, when you start having kids, I'll probably move back. And then the year that I had Miles was the same year that my brother had his brain injury. And so she she moved back and moved in with him first, but then was like, we're not going to move back to San Diego. You know, now I'm having kids and she wants to be here for that. When I was growing up, her parents moved to Boulder when we were born and we used to go over to their house every single weekend. So in my mom's mind, she has always said like, this is what grandparents do. So, and that's how I grew up too, is having at least my maternal grandparents very close by. I think the other thing though, is I have the privilege of being from a very nice place. Like I was born and raised in Boulder. I don't not worry, you know, the politics still align with my politics. Politics. The lifestyle still aligns with my lifestyle. The things I want to do are still here. And so I didn't have to make that choice, which I try not to take for granted. And, you know, there's a lot of jobs here, a lot of jobs between Denver and Boulder. I don't have to worry about like, well, there's this one employer and I kind of have to work for them or move somewhere else. There's a lot of, there's schools. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot here that could keep anybody here, let alone whether or not their family was here. But I also often think about like that I haven't really ever lived anywhere other than Boulder County and that if I didn't have kids, we probably would not live here because I wouldn't feel that need to be close to my family. But we talk about Brandon's family living in Madison. Both his sisters are in the Madison area, both his parents. His parents are divorced, but they still live in that area. And as his parents get older, his mom went through colon cancer a few years ago. His dad is going through some stuff, has gone through some stuff with his heart and he has epilepsy. He's gone through some stuff. And we have definitely talked about like, would we moved to Madison for a couple years to kind of get a few good years with his parents before they continue to age so that our kids can have those memories and so that we can have those memories because Brandon hasn't lived in Wisconsin since the early 2000s. So, you know, I think it's really natural and normal if you have a good relationship with your family to start thinking about that. And, you know, I know there's that, I don't know where this quote came from, but I know there's that thing that people say where it's like, if you see your parents twice a year and they're going to live for 10 more years, you're only going to see your parents 20 more times in your life. Yeah. And that totally freaks me out. Totally. <laughs> and like for me, totally like me I'm going to see my mom two or three times this week, probably. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Right. So I think about that all the time where I'm like, I just want specifically my parents. And I talked about this with Scott of, you know, the option of even like moving to Oklahoma for a while, because there's a lot just family stuff that he needs to kind of be close to as they're aging. But he's like, I don't I don't want to live there. And it's fine. Like, we'll figure that out when we like we'll cross that bridge. But so He's not too worried about it on his side of the family, but I'm more like, it all started when I was in Arizona in December and my best friend, sister, <laughs> family that that I stay with, her mom passed away about six years ago. 
her, they moved her dad in with them and they have this like awesome kind of like a next generation suite that's on their house that they built for him where he can like literally have his own apartment within their house. They have enough privacy where it's not like he's living straight with them, which would be fine. But she's like, we just really still wanted privacy for our family. And like he wanted to do his own thing. And I just see how I saw how amazing that was for their family and just for him to just be there. And and he's lonely, obviously, he's widowed and wants to be near family. She can take him to doctor's appointments. She's like, yeah, every Monday I have to go take him to get these shots for his eyeballs. And and I just kind of was like, what, are, what am I doing? Like, why? The other piece is, we both work from home. We are not attached to any location anymore. Whereas, yeah, the past 15 years, maybe 14 years, we've been, I've been attached to a location for my job. So that was also something that I really was thinking hard about and just how important family is. I don't like to live my life. I'm like fearing the future too much. You know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But at the same time, like I would really love to go to Broadway shows with my mom every other weekend if I had the chance to like just have her here, have my parents here and my dad be able to access you know, they have a couple of doctor's appointments they had to go to this week and they have to drive an hour each way in the ma- mountains and the switchbacks. Like this is not, I'm just starting to freak out a little bit about it. So totally. And I think like, <laughs> there's a part of me, it's like, am I making a bigger deal? I want them to have independence as they're getting older. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to take their freedom away and be like, you're living with us now. But yeah, but I also think there, I, here's something I come back to a lot. And I mean, I don't, as you guys know, I'm not a big like, our ancestors did it this way and therefore we should do it this way type of person. But I do really think that the United States people like the United States culture that we lose out on a lot by completely disregarding multi-generational living as white Americans. I know there are still plenty of cultures within the U.S. who do this. Like in our in the last neighborhood we lived in, the majority of the houses around us were multi-generational Mexican families. It worked out fine. You know, like you have the abuelas who stay home and can help out with the kids. You have the teenagers who are helping fix the cars. Like everybody is pitching in. Yeah, I'm sure they feel like they don't have enough space from time to time. But I think you could live in a mansion and still feel like you don't have enough space from time to time. And I really just remember literally all of our neighbors had like six or seven people who lived in their house. And it just seemed so seamless. Like everybody kind of just was happy to be there and happy to pitch in. And, And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there was drama beneath the surface, but there always is. And I feel like I really feel that way. And I started feeling that way when we started having kids or I was like, man, I really would love for my mom to live here or an aunt, you know, if I had an aunt or like a sister or somebody like it would make so much sense to have that other person just in the house. And, you know, I know that like I see all these news stories about like elderly, the how um, older Gen X and boomers are having to take care of their parents because there's like a whole, uh, this huge like yeah. elder care shortage. And first of all, I think that's very legit. Elder yeah. care is something that we just like gloss over as a society. And I think it's okay for your for you to take care of your parents as they age. I think there need to be societal support systems put into that to support you taking care of right. your parents. Right. But if right, that's something you yeah. want to do, I think that that's normal. Yeah, yeah. And that's, it's that's, a variation of normal, I should say. You know, like, I'm not yeah, saying, like, yeah. it's normal, everyone should do it. But, like, it's, I think it's a no- very natural instinct. I mean, there's, I have so many friends, too, that um, they're like, yeah, in my culture, this is just how we do it. You know, I grew up with my grandparents in my house or everyone in the family lived together. Like, that 
that is definitely something in the white society of everyone kind of being really separate, living separate lives. And I specifically noticed it more coming up for me a couple of years ago when my mom was just having like some leg issues and she kept dismissing it and she kind of downplayed some of her health stuff. And I'm like, I need to have a closer eye on her. Like now I have to really push her to get certain things checked out. She'll be like, yeah, blah, 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 was hurting me. And I waited about 10 days before I went to the doctor. And I was like, you waited 10 days and this was happening. So like, to me, I'm like, if I had my eye on you, I could like... (laughs) I could be on it. Um, you know, when I went to my brother's a couple weeks ago, we talk about that. We're like, hey, are you watching mom's this? And are you making sure dad is doing Like, we're being kind of the mother hens now for our parents. And I, to me, I'm like, there's just, there's absolutely no other alternative for me than for me to take care of them. Like I will, and again, they're super healthy. I'm doing it before it gets to a point of like urgency, But I think even with multi-generational living and how I kind of grew up with it in a different realm of like that, that that wasn't the norm, so to speak. But now when we're even just kind of like looking around, we're kind of like flirting with the idea of moving. We don't know yet, but builders are building next generational homes. Like builders are even building homes with attached apartments attached separate living spaces. We were talking about how my, right. My grandpa lived with my mom until he passed away this summer. Like they moved into a house that had a basement that they could retrofit. So it was like a little kind of apartment at for him and it had a full kitchen, a bedroom, a bathroom. They put in like a stair lift and you know, as his, as he aged more and more, he was less independent down there, but it had everything for him that if, you know, that he could kind of go about his day down there and like not need, if he wanted to have his own space, he could. And if he, all he had to do was come upstairs, be still part of that, part of the family and part of the household. I just think that like Brandon and I always talk about this. I'm like, I would love to live with my mom. And again, I am grateful that I feel that way about my family. Like that's a huge asterisk on all of this, obviously, is that you have to be somebody who's close and on good terms with your parents, which I actually think that the emphasis on independent living at a young age is not very conducive to having healthy relationships with your parents as you grow up, as you get out of the house. And like Mira was in the chat saying that she says, I couldn't believe it when a friend of mine told me her parents were charging her rent when she was living at home. It's not like they were asking her to help out. It was like she was a tenant. And I, I've, I've definitely heard of that. And so I think that there is, it is like a whole different mindset to just be okay with that intergenerational living. Or, you know, I remember like throughout the last couple of years and certainly during COVID and there were all these headlines of like millennials are moving back in with their parents. It was like, yeah, so the economy is really horrible. So housing prices yeah. are through the roof. Most horrible. people are spending 50 plus percent of their household income on their housing costs. If I could move back in with my parents, I would. I, you know, I don't know. I think that there's, I personally think there's too much emphasis on like independent living, even maybe on privacy. You know, like honestly, there is very little that goes on in my house that I would be uncomfortable with my parents being around for. And obviously there are certain things, everybody can close their bedroom doors. Fine. We're all adults here. Yeah. But like outside of that, there is very little that I feel is private to the point where I wouldn't feel comfortable with my own family being around for it. And again, this right. is me and my family right. dynamic. So. Yeah, and we have, we have. I know everyone's family dynamics are different. When we were touring one of these houses, these model homes, the lady was like, oh, what are you looking for? And like, why would you want a house like this? I mean, just basic questions. And I was like, yeah, for my parents. And she's like, wow, you're really nice. I would never want my mom to live with me. <laughs> and I was like... 
Yeah, that's fair. Not everyone has a good relationship with their families and that's okay too. But like, I'm in a situation where we have a great relationship and this is just something I think a lot about. And it just, our, their home is amazing in Westcliff and we would, we're definitely planning to keep that in the family, but um, you know, we can't ever get rid of that creek. However, for them to live there full time is just not an option. So I would love everyone to kind of give their opinions or just chime in on maybe if you did make a move because of that, or even just like, you know, we joke all the time of like compound living of just being like, there's something to that of being like, it takes a village to just raise families. (laughs) And why are we doing it alone? And why do this is another we could go off on a tangent on women feeling like they have to do it alone, or feeling judged if they have help or whatever. And it's like, because it never really should be that way. Women should not be doing this alone. Families should not be doing this alone. All right. Speaking of getting older. How are you going to tie that one together? Because I couldn't follow your train Speaking of thinking. getting older, I want to talk about our favorite age-defying dream cream. Oh, yes, please. Come on. That was a seamless transition. We are so excited about our sponsor this week, Purity Woods, who makes this face lotion that you guys, we posted about it last week. We were at dinner, literally sitting at the dinner table talking about how good this face lotion is. It's wonderful. It is the dead of winter. My skin has never felt more vibrant, more dewy. Dewy is never a word I've used to describe myself. Mm -mm, No. It's wonderful. So this is the Purity Woods age-defying dream cream. It is USDA certified organic, non-GMO, free of anything artificial, free of toxic preservatives, no synthetic additives, no pesticides, chemical fertilizers, or dyes, parabens. And of course, it's cruelty-free and never tested on animals. It has maple leaf extract, which contains anti-inflammatory antioxidants and hydrating properties, which can help soothe irritated or inflamed skin while also plumping, brightening, and nourishing. I really do love it. I use it every morning, every night. I use it on my face. I use it on my neck. It's smells wonderful. It's not like overly perfumed. It just smells very fresh. It's just a nice light scent and it feels really good and sinks into your skin. I've said it before. Everything I put on my face typically like balls up and doesn't really like absorb. This totally absorbs when I put it on either before makeup or when I'm going to bed at night. It doesn't rub off on my pillow, which is really annoying to me. Or when I start putting on makeup and things just start sliding around, it really drives me nuts. You did a selfie a few weeks ago where I was like, wow, Claire must have just put that on because your skin was glowing. So I definitely see a difference. I'm super product person. Uh, I don't get excited about things, but we are really excited that these guys are our sponsors because we love to bring products that we're excited about for our listeners. So you can try it out, puritywoods.com, P-U-R-I-T-Y-W-O-O-D-S.com. Enter code JOY. And so what that's going to do is it's going to give you a total of 27% off your first order. They already have a 17% off site-wide deal for your first order. And so the code JOY is going to give you an additional 10% for 27% total off your order. So go to puritywoods.com forward slash JOY, J-O-Y. That's going to take you directly to the age-defying dream cream. And then when you get to check out, enter code JOY to get that extra discount. Thank you so much for supporting Purity Woods. Let us know how you love it. Our next great sponsor is the maker of our favorite CBD products, Ned. I've been using the Mellow Magnesium Super Blend and the Mellow Shut Eye Chai in the evenings, a wonderful way to calm down. It's a great way to cut back on alcohol. I've been using the Daily Stress Blend as well as the sleep blend. I don't use them all every single day, but I like to have things to kind of transition around. They've got a lot of really great products to choose from. Their quality is top-notch. If you go to helloned.com forward slash joy, you can get 15% off your first 
order. You can also take a quiz to get an idea of what is going to work best for you. So this is a great way to support the podcast. You know, we've been working with Ned for quite some time and we really believe in the founders and the way that this CBD is sourced. The fact that they play like binaural beats when they're bottling the stuff. You can see little handwritten dates when it was bottled. Really good quality. Again, that's helloned.com forward slash joy to get 15% off your order and support the podcast. We've been doing this for quite some time, coming on 11 years. So these sponsors really keep the wind in our sails. You can support the podcast by supporting Ned. Thank you, Ned. Okay, by the time people hear this, it's going to be very old news, but the Grammys were last night. Give us your quick Mm -hmm. take. I didn't watch them, to no one's surprise. Yeah, to no one's surprise. Well, okay. Historically, I have not been excited, let's say in the past, I don't know, handful of years. I haven't been really excited about the Grammys. been a little uninteresting. I do remember they've that. They've been uninteresting. They've they've been a little ridiculous. I mean, some of the venues, sometimes they hold them in like these huge arenas where you can't really like the connection with the audience and the stage just feels really far. So you as a viewer, it just feels kind of disconnected. And so I wasn't really planning on watching them, but Scott turned it on because he actually watches the Grammys that are, he calls it the, the important Grammys, the Grammys that are like not televised on primetime, but they had it on YouTube where you could watch the people who win like the best jazz albums right, and, and the like best the you know, like, producer awards and that type producer of, yeah. awards. Yeah. And where he's like, this is what really matters to me. So he was watching that and I was like, okay, cool. And then we ended up just watching it. And it started off, Trevor Noah was the host who I love. So I'm like, okay, we got a good host. It started off with a bang, really wonderful, like good vibe. Okay, so I was hooked in. It just kind of kept getting better and better. So the performances were incredible. I think everyone was floored. First of all, if, if your only reference to Fast Car is Luke Combs, I have some education to lay out for you. It was written and performed originally by Tracy Chapman, who is one of the greatest singer-songwriters of all time. If you're a really big, like, 90s person, you know deep down how important that song is and how important she is to the music industry as a Black female artist, singer-songwriter. I did watch that performance. Like, somebody posted it. I mean, you posted a minute of it, but then I somebody else posted it on Instagram. I was thinking about like, you know, they were kind of panning around to all the everyone in the audience who was singing along and like Taylor Swift was standing up and singing and all these people were standing up singing. And I was thinking how many people in that room, this was one of the first songs they learned on guitar. Like this is a like just the heritage of this song for American music is cannot be overstated, in my opinion, for this generation. Like, agree, it's so and I iconic. And I don't think that any of us were prepared for it. They didn't. A lot of the performances, they were like, "Stay tuned for a performance by Olivia Rodrigo," and then we're gonna hear from Billie Eilish. You know, like they had all these preparations. I was not prepared for that performance. I didn't know what was gonna happen. So all of a sudden, there's a close up on a guitar playing Fast Car. And I was like, oh, yeah, Luke Combs covered this song. I'm not a big Luke Combs fan, but he's got a great voice, like, wonderful. And then the next thing you know, they're panning up to Tracy Chapman's face. And I, I was like, I, I, this is 2024 for me. This, this has set the tone for 2024. I am okay. I had a really hard weekend. So I was like, I was like, okay, that was some therapy. I needed that. Thank you, (laughs) angels of the universe, for bringing me Tracy Chapman singing Fast Car. And she, not only did she look amazing, she sounded exactly like the original recording. She's, I mean, just flawless, flawless. And so that just was like, we can completely end the Grammys now. So that was like, just, yeah, I think everyone felt that way when they were watching it. 
You know, the rest of the night was pretty cool. SZA did an amazing performance. She had the most nominations that night. Um, I won't go through like who won every single thing, but I think of note was um, Jay-Z winning Dr. Dre's Achievement Award. He gave an amazing speech around the history of hip hop and really kind of, again, I, I completely agree with this. I think black artists are not recognized still in the same, to the same caliber as white artists. I really think there's, it's just very obvious to me, there's still a huge disconnect and is still a huge gap that black artists seem to have to work harder than white artists. And he really kind of brought that up around his wife, Beyonce, and said, I'm not trying to embarrass her here, but she is the most, she has the most Grammys of any artist and she is still not one album of the year. Um, He's like, there's something wrong with that. Really kind of called out people. In my my brain, I kind of wonder if he like has a thing for Taylor, like against Taylor Swift, like this. I wonder if they're frenemies in a way that's like something I make up in my head of like Beyonce and Taylor being frenemies, but I can't ignore that fact of like, you have a white, pop star and you have a black amazing artist who has crossed all genres with starting in a girl band to doing you know being a solo artist and marrying an amazing rapper how her career is probably bigger than Taylor Swift yet we see more of Taylor Swift in the media that to me is interesting or maybe it's my algorithm because I'm listening to a lot of Taylor Swift but I just noticed that anyway not to go on to many tangents, but Jay-Z brought up a lot of like those points in this speech to basically say, there's people here that you didn't win, but maybe you should have. And maybe there's people here who shouldn't have even been nominated. And a lot of people went like, ooh. And he kind of made a joke, like, I'm sorry, when I'm nervous, I tell the truth. But it was really cool because it's like someone's got to say it and Jay-Z can say it. So I really appreciated that about him. Something else that was kind of weird, and this is going to be super controversial, controversial as someone who is Molly said Joni Mitchell. I mean, there are countless artists, Stevie Wonder, Billy Joel was, I mean, it was, Oprah was dancing in front. Like it was an amazing star-studded event. Something I found really controversial for myself, and I'm going to say it, is when Taylor won her first Grammy that night, she came up and she was like, I think it was song of the year for um, Antihero. And she came up and accepted the award and she was like, okay, this is my 13th Grammy. I promised myself because this award is because of the fans that I would give y'all a surprise. And I've been holding this back for two years, but my new album drops on April 19th. (laughs) I'm really trying to be like, what is, what, why did that bother me? And I think what it came down to was like, hey, go do your thing, be amazing. But like, it was Helen from Bridesmaids. And I know you haven't seen Bridesmaids, but you really need to watch it because Helen and Bridesmaids. I've seen the first half of Bridesmaids where she's just like one-upping everything. Yeah. She one-ups everything. We're like... She has to be the best at everything and has to one-up everyone. You should have seen all the artists. In in my brain, I wanted to be like, read the room. This is not the place to do this. Like, we get it. We get it. You write so much music. But it was like, I felt so uncomfortable when she said that, that I was like, oh, what's going on with me? And I think it's because I saw all the other artists who were kind of like plastered this smile. But in the, in their brain, they were like, oh, come on, Helen. Like, Helen. Stop! You know, where like where she goes, oh, I got 
I just got a trip to France for us to go do a dress fitting, just a little quick getaway. And then, you know, the best friend runs off and like punches the cookie because she's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like enough already. And so that was my reaction was I was like, I love her so much. I want her to keep thriving. And that was just like, that was like too much. It was too much. I love <laughs> it. Was like it. too I, much. I mean, yeah, maybe like post it on Instagram after the fact. But like, right. It's like you're stealing everybody else's thunder here. Now this is going to be the headline it of the was, night. It was very, yeah. it was the headline of the night where it's like, do you have to take more headline? <laughs> like give it to someone else. Yeah. So maybe I'm being an asshole for saying that, but I was just kind of like, it was such a Helen moment. And, you know, I wonder what the other artists were thinking, because I'm sure they're all sitting there like, come on. <laughs> so that's my wrap up. Were of the there Grammys. any big I thought upsets? It was great. I mean, sure. The black artists that didn't want right, win, yeah. like SZA, like a lot of the um, records of the year. We could sit here and argue whether or not Midnight's was the best album of 2023. I don't, I think we could definitely sit and debate that, but I don't know. I think when I look at it, I really still feel whether it be the Oscars, I think there's movement, but whether it be the Oscars, the Grammys, the Emmys, people of color are still being, I don't want to say snubbed is the right word, but they're not being as recognized because, uh, I don't know, is it a money thing that like these artists bring in more money? I don't know. But like you think about, there was this one artist, I'm so old for not remembering remembering his name. He, there, um, Trevor Noah was like, this guy is like, the, he just hit like a billion downloads, which was so funny. I saw him do like a pre-show interview and Scott and I were like, oh my gosh, he is he is a man of zero words. He did not want to be interviewed. The interviewer was like, are you excited for tonight? And he's like, yep. <laughs> anyway, not John Baptiste. It was a it was another rapper. I'm so sorry. Like, for, I, and I, we're live. I, it was so funny, but he, he just did not look like he wanted to be. Anyway, Trevor Noah was like, this guy has done a billion downloads like in the month and you could just still see everything kind of swerving towards like the Taylor Swift of it all. I don't know. I just... Maybe I'm being too critical of it, but that's just, those are my thoughts. But nothing as far as like major upsides. I did love Miley's performance. She did a great performance. I just love her. I, I love that she's so comfortable with just like getting up and being Miley. Totally. That's all she ever needs to be. I loved her hair. Again, I've only seen photos, but her hair was very like early 90s, almost like, um, it reminded me of Sigourney Weaver's character in Ghostbusters after she's gotten been possessed. Yes, totally. I loved her hair. I really loved it. I was so there. It was looked like her dad's mullet. <laughs> Jack wrote in the chat. So I, I loved it. it. I was I, I was, was there very, like, for her hair. Yeah, it was almost like it was a little perfect. bit like what we thought. It was like if you asked somebody in the '90s what you would wear your hair like to the Grammys in 2024, that is what her hairstyle was. Like, it was so great, both retro and futuristic. It was very funny. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. All right, well, another week down, friends. We are just right into February. You know, Evie is turning five this weekend. If that <sighs> makes any of you guys just like feel like you're in a time warp, oh. makes me feel like yeah. I'm in a time warp. I know. She'll be five on Saturday. We're going to go get our nails done. Oh, did I tell you? I made her an appointment to get hair tinsel. <gasps> I love hair tinsel. That's She's so fun. going to love it. I have not told She's her. She's going to love She's it. Gonna be so excited. Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait for her to get hair tinsel. She's going to love it. Mm. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, that's exactly what it sounds like. You take little pieces of tinsel and you put them in your hair like little microlink hair 
extensions. So great. Molly says hair tinsel will totally fit the vibe. It definitely will. She's going to rock it. And we're going to get our nails in. Then we're, she, we're going to eat ice cream cake. And then she's going to sleep over at Maxine's house. It's like going to be a whole. And she has the best outfit too. Oh yeah. She has is... a light up unicorn dress with wings. I really have to figure out what I'm going to wear because I mean, I think I'm just going to put glitter on my face. There's no need to try to match the vibe because you just can't. Don't one up her. No, she will not be one upped. <laughs> Evie will not be one-upped. No. Yeah. All right. Thank you thank guys you friends. for joining us. You can support the podcast by supporting our sponsors, Purity Woods and Ned. Go to puritywoods.com forward slash joy to check out the age-defying dream cream and then enter code joy at checkout for a total of 27% off your first order. And go to helloned.com forward slash joy or use discount code joy for 15% off your first order. You can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can find us online at joyandclaire.com and you can email us. This is is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Thank you for being here. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye, everybody.